I'm Steve Fisher. Have people told you you have a great voice? If you think that's all it takes to be a voiceover artist, think again. It's not that simple. Jody Gottlieb is one of the top voiceover coaches in the business, and she knows. It's not at all about having a great voice. You will hear voiceovers sometimes, and you say, how did they get booked on that? It has nothing to do with the quality of your voice. She's a voiceover maven and my guest on Life Slices. Welcome to Life Slices, Jody Gottlieb. Who is Jody Gottlieb? Jody Gottlieb is a voiceover coach that teaches actors how to read copy for commercial promo and narration. You started in theater. How did you get into advertising and promotion? Okay, that, that was actually, that's actually a simple answer. I was between shows. My, the show that I was doing in New York closed, and I had been working pretty steadily for a while. And I called my agent and said, what's next? And he said, nothing, go take a day off. And I couldn't do that. So I went and got a job at an advertising agency. It's that simple? It's that simple. I I don't know what that says about advertising or you. Times were different then. Doors were, were more easily open. So as a former advertising executive, how do you feel about the medium today? I am disturbed by much of what I see in that the messages don't seem to be clear. They don't seem to be reaching any specific target audience. They're just throwing stuff out there. They're trying to be clever, and they're not. They're not using humor. You and I can remember lots of commercials that maybe didn't sell the product, but we remember them for their humor, for their punchlines. They don't do that anymore. They All car commercials look alike. All dishwasher detergent commercials look alike. Fast food all looks alike. Beauty products all look alike. There doesn't seem to be any, and everybody talks about branding. There doesn't seem to be any specific branding going on. You know, I've noticed that, and it and it's very disturbing to me. I mean, one one of the things you you said earlier, and I, I do take a little issue with, is that there are commercials out there that are funny, but you come away remembering the commercial, but you have no clue what the product was. That. Like I said, that was true back in the old days when we were growing up. I remember punchlines, but I don't remember what the product is. Yeah. Well, I, but that still exists. I'm not seeing as much humor as there used to be. Do you think that's in part because so many people have gone to streaming and are, aren't watching commercials anymore? They're either streaming or they're recording and flipping past the commercials. I think that is part of it. I think also that we're living in a time where comedy has taken a hit. Well, absolutely. And, 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 and people are being very, very careful about what they consider a punchline. Now, you also did time in – did time. <laughs> I did time. It, it sounds like you were, you were convicted and, and had to serve time uh, in TV promotion. Yes. So what are some of the shows you worked on? The very first show I worked on was Rescue 911 that starred William Shatner. It was a reality. It was like the beginning of the reality shows. 
And that was challenging because I don't like reality shows. <laughs> and it was the beginning of, of my career as a writer-producer. So I would write these scenarios rather than just saying, watch Rescue 911, right? <laughs> so I would write these scenarios and compare the heroes of the show to he movie heroes. And it did very well. It did very well. I launched Everybody Loves Raymond. I, I was involved in Picket Fences and Chicago Hope. I worked on the launch of Will and Grace. I did movies. I did music specials, like everything. So now how has TV and the promotion of it changed over the years? Okay, that's going to be a long answer. <laughs> <laughs> TV has changed, as you know, as you said before, because of streaming. Promotion of the shows, whether it be streaming or on cable or dish or you know live TV, has changed because of budgets. The first thing the bean counters do is cut the promotional budget. So that department has to make some cuts. And the first thing they do is cut the voiceover that goes with either on air, with what you're watching on air, or radio promotion. Radio actually is an area that you get to reach people who would not normally see your promotion, your promos, right? They're driving, and if people still listen to radio, well, I don't that, even yeah, know that's, anymore. That's another challenge. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they do that anymore. But that was a, a great outlet for reaching people who were in, in their car or in their kitchen or wherever they listen to the radio. And reach them about shows that they hadn't heard of before. Now, I'm not sure people are listening to commercial radio. If they are, they're not hearing a lot of promos. And on air, as people are watching, part of the problem is that people are fast-forwarding through commercials and, and promos. But a lot of what I'm seeing now, which is shakes me to my core, is that they're not using voiceover. They're using sound bites from the show, supposedly to string together what the story is about. Mm -hmm. As a viewer, it's not working. And as a creative person who worked in that field, it's not working. I'm not sure they're reaching who they want to reach. And if they are watching promos, I don't know about you, but if I'm watching live TV, and it's been a while since I've watched live TV, but but if I am, I'm using the, the commercial pod time to go to the bathroom, go to the kitchen, get a hop on my phone, whatever. So I may not be actually watching it, but I sure can hear it. And in these promos that they're doing now, I'm hearing a lot of sound bites that especially not seeing the video, I'm not getting the story. Therefore, I'm not interested. Now, why? I, here's a question you may not even know the answer to this, but why do they advertise a show that I'm watching? That makes no sense to me when you're <laughs> watching a show and a promo for that same show comes up. I'm watching it. Leave me alone. What more do you want from me? That's a good question. I, you know what? I don't know. My, I'm guessing. Don't quote me. I'm guessing that it's a, an issue with the scheduling of the promo. 
because those are two different departments, hmm. the media department schedules and the programming department schedules the program. Or are the, are, are the promos that you're seeing in the show that you're watching for that episode or the next episode? Yeah, sometimes it's not like I'll be watching the, the morning show on, on uh, we'll say, CBS. All of a sudden, a promo comes up for the morning show on CBS. It's like, well, you don't have to tell me. I'm already watching it. Is it a generic watch the morning show yeah. or, or is it coming up, this no. guest star? No, it's, it's a, a generic, generic thing. Yeah, I can't explain that. You're now one of the most preeminent voiceover coaches in the industry. How did that come about? Serendipity. When I hired lots and lots and lots of talent to do my promos, and I would direct them, and many, many, many times the talent liked the way I direct, and they would invite me to their workout groups to be a guest director. And I did that. Now, when you say workout groups, explain that for those who don't know what that is. Okay. A workout group is when 10 or 12 actors get together on a regular basis and read copy and help each other figure out what the message is or what lines they should, what words they should underline, or how do you get to the end of the sentence, breath control, all the technical aspects, as well as interpretation. It's a actors getting together and working on a scene. Often I was invited to these workout groups to be a guest director. And one day I was at lunch with one of the top agents in Los Angeles, voiceover agents in Los Angeles. She was telling me that she was getting feedback about me going to these different workout groups and that it, it was all good, all good then. Everybody wanted me for the workout group. And she looked at me and said, why don't you do this for yourself? And a light bulb went off over my head. So while I was working at the networks during the day, I started coaching. At night, I made, I made a deal with the studio I worked at, and I would go in in the evening. And then I started doing workshops where I'd get a group of people together, and we'd do four weeks or six weeks of a three-hour workshop, very intense study. When I started being busier in voiceover coaching than I was as a writer-producer, I said, oh, let's just switch the balance on this. So I went voiceover coaching full-time. From time to time, I still consult on as a writer-producer. So when someone comes to you for coaching, what are they looking for? There are a couple of things. They're looking for guidance on how they can be their authentic selves, because that is what's trending now, an actor's authentic self. The big announce thing that, that we all grew up with isn't trending. In now. a world. In a world, yeah. It, that, that's not trending. There, sometimes you'll hear it, and it will come back, kind of starting to come back. But right now... All the requests are for authentic, conversational, which, by the way, there is no such thing as a conversational read. People don't talk, well, people don't talk like the way commercials are written. I work with clients privately, one-on-one, -on -one, to develop, to create their authentic selves. <laughs> they want to learn what to look for in copy, how to interpret copy, they also talk to me. I don't. I don't do this a lot, but some career guidance 
that's not really my field. I do answer questions that I know the answer to, but there are times I'll say, I don't know, you need to talk to other talent to find out what they're doing. You talk about being authentic selves. There is a great, great story. Cary Grant was noted for creating himself from inside out or from outside in because he was a very different person in real life and he created the persona that we see on screen. One time somebody said to him, you know, there are a lot of men out there that want to be Cary Grant. And he said, I do too. (laughs) That's great. I love that. When a new client comes to you and you tell me what what they're looking for, what are you looking for? In uh, in terms of coaching them? Yeah, yeah, as, as to who you will accept as a client and who you will pass on to somebody else. I generally don't take absolute beginners, people who've never been behind a microphone before, they've never seen a script before. Generally, don't don't take those. I have started working with with someone who's an absolute beginner, but she's got such a unique personality that I think I think I can do some good before I pass her on. My first question is can I serve this client? And there are reasons, many reasons why I can or can't. And it has nothing to do with my abilities or their abilities. There are a lot of factors that go into that. So the first thing I ask is, can I serve this client? Then I look for a germ of talent that just needs to be developed and directed and guided. So you're the Dr. Fauci of voiceover. There you go. There are a lot of people out there with naturally terrific voices. And every so often I'll meet someone who will start talking and I go, wow, you should do voiceovers. I don't say that because I know it's not that easy. So it's it's not just a matter of having a great voice. It's not at all about having a great voice. You will hear voiceovers sometimes and you say, how did they get booked on that? It has nothing to do with the quality of your voice. I've heard some people have beautiful voices, lovely speaking voices, and they can't get booked because they don't know how to read copy. What's the biggest misconception people have about voiceover work? I know everybody thinks, I'm going to get into voiceover because that's easy. I just sit at home with my my home studio set up and boom, I get work. Yeah, that doesn't happen. That's the biggest misconception. People think it's fun. And it is. If you love your work, it's fun. But it is hard work. And I I think people don't understand the amount of work that you have to put into it before you're ever booked for a job. The amount of coaching you have to do. The amount you have to invest in your equipment. The amount of networking and follow-up and finding the right agent and marketing and there's a lot of stuff that goes into it that has nothing to do with the fun and the air quote fun part of it. That is the amazing thing to me. I know I know through you a lot of voiceover people and having your a good home setup is key to yes. begin with because nobody goes into offices to audition anymore. It's all right. done at home and you send it in. So what are the basics that somebody needs at home if they actually want to start doing voiceover and have some affinity for it? 
Well, you need a quiet space. A lot of people are using their closets and putting foam up. I know people who are using their walk-in closets and using their clothes as a buffer. And that's fine. That works. In terms of the actual equipment, that is not my area. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but yeah. you, you need a mic. You need a, a good microphone that's appropriate for your voice. And again, there are lots of microphones. And again, I can't help you with that. But I know people who can refer you to the right tech people. We don't have a feature here to call a friend. So <laughs> we'll just have to pass on, on that. But how has the industry changed in the decades you've been doing this work? It used to be in our lifetime that you had an agent and you'd go to the agent, you'd be called into the agent to do your uh, auditions. They would submit them to the client, you'd get booked, and you'd have to go to a studio if you're lucky enough to get booked. And people think, oh, I'll audition, I'll book that job. You may book one out of 100 auditions if you're lucky. And it's a numbers game. Just keep auditioning. Now, most agents have closed up their in-house booths, where their audition booths, and everybody's auditioning at home, in their closets, in their home booths. People get whisper booths. That's a whole technical thing. Also, it used to be that you'd book a job, you'd go into the studio, meet people in person. Now, people are doing it from home. Sometimes they do it with Zoom, so you can see the people. Sometimes not. Sometimes it's just a phone call being directed over the phone. I remember when booths became, home booths became very popular. And I was talking to one of the top talent, and he said that since then, since everybody was working from home, he's lost about 30% of his business. How does that happen? He said, because sometimes we'd be sitting around the lobby of a studio and somebody would need something and they'd say, oh, you're good. Come on in and, and do something. And I'd get paid a session fee. I had no idea it was that much. I mean, I've done that. I've been in a studio and I needed somebody to do a line. I'd go in the lobby and see who was there. But obviously that doesn't happen anymore. Do people get paid to audition from home? No. No, so so session fees are out the out the door. Oh yeah, you don't you, you don't get paid that. You get paid when you when you've booked a job. You get a session fee once you book the job. Because there's there's more and more of that happening, and I'm surprised it's a practice that hasn't been clamped down on. There, where creative people, especially, I don't know that it happens any any industry, but the creative industries is you are asked to pitch an idea for something. You're not paid for it. And then they take the best of what they receive or whichever one they like the best. So there are a lot of people out there doing work for nothing yeah. to try to get a job. Yeah, that has happened to me as writer-producer. I've done work to pitch. I've even taken notes, which you're not supposed to do as a Writers Guild member. I've taken notes. It was a unique situation, and I did the notes. Then I was ripped off. That was a learning curve I needed to go through. For the auditions, interesting. I have clients who 
call me to direct their auditions. And a lot of times will direct the audition, they send it in, and a lot of times the client will just lift the audition and put it on their spot. And of course, but but they pay they pay the talent. Uh-huh. They're just saying, no, you don't have to re-record this. This is great. We're going to use this. Here's your check. So it's not being stolen. It's just being used as is because the audition was that good, exactly what they wanted. And that, that's happened to, to my clients quite a lot. But no, auditioning is like applying for a job. You don't get paid to go in for the interview. So, and that's what it is. What's the general process when somebody is trying to get a job in voiceover? They find out about an audition from either from people they know in the industry or from, through an agent or whatever. What happens next? Well, they do their audition. I recommend that, well, for commercial copy or promo copy, that you send in at least two takes that are different. Nothing makes me crazier than getting auditions that are the exact same reads. Show me you can do something else. So you send in to your agent or whoever's asking you to audition at least two takes. It may take you two takes to, to record or it make you, may take you two hours. People have a hard time self-directing. That's why they call me. So they, you send in the audition, and they tell you when the job is working. If you don't get the job, you won't hear anything. I think that's really hard on actors. You don't hear yes or no. You just don't hear anything. Right. So when those, those record dates pass, you know you didn't get the job. Or... You get a call from the agent or the client or whoever sent you the audition and say, hey, you booked the job and your your home studio has to be broadcast quality. That's what everybody's asking for. So be in, in you know, be set up by whatever time and date it is. Then you do the job. Now, a lot of times in the session with the client, you're going to be directed to a completely different read than what they loved in the audition. It's a crazy business. It is. Well, I mean, but that happens in acting too. Uh, yes. You know, very often you would. But is it the same as in acting when you get a callback? They like yes. you, but they're still not sure. Yes. And, and are there callbacks in, in yes, the voiceover world? Yes, there are. And, and how do those usually work? When you get a callback there sometimes asking for a different kind of take and they'll give you more specific direction. Sometimes not. The thing about the voiceover industry, there are no rules. You've also worked with book narrators or audio book narrators. How, do, how does that process differ from the vo general commercial voiceover work? There are different categories in voiceover work what you're talking about are audiobooks, and I don't do those. The, that's a, a specialty that I've listened to audiobooks. I know I could direct them, but process is too long and hard for me. <laughs> Not worth it for me. Then there are commercials, promos, and narration, which is what I specialize in. There's also animation, game, video games. There are, I'm sure, categories I'm missing. Well, in-show narration versus documentary narration, but I, I cover that. 
but I don't do animation. I have a couple of animation guys that I refer people to. I'm always surprised when, now this tends to happen with British actors, I think more than American actors, but I will look at somebody, I'll see somebody in, in a TV show and go, who is that? And I look them up on IMDb and I notice that they've done all this voice acting for video games, yes. which seems to be a big market in it's the UK. Market. It's a big market here. Huge. How many actors cross over between video games and other types of entertainment? I don't know the number, but it's a fair amount. Absolutely. So it's just another another tool in your basket. Absolutely. If somebody wants to get into voiceover work, how would you advise them? I would advise them... Not to do it. Yeah, really, I would. I would. Very difficult. I think I would advise them to start with a face group, a Facebook group, get recommendations, find out what people are going through, how to do it. I think that that's probably a better way to start than just throwing it out there and hiring coaches without getting recommendations. You should get recommendations for coaches. I also would recommend that they find a beginner online class because group classes, I think, are beneficial to beginners. Mm -hmm. I do have to warn that there are people out there who should not be doing classes, who should not be coaching, who should not be producing demos. Be careful about that. There are a lot of predators out there. What about putting together a demo tape? We don't call them tapes anymore. I'm sorry. A demo reel. A demo <laughs> they, real. They're demos. Demo. They're demos. A demo. Okay. A demo. Okay. You're not going to be able to do that for probably the first year that you're doing this. Don't do one until you're ready, absolutely ready, and hire a professional demo producer. I've listened to homemade tapes. I'm sorry. Homemade demos that just don't cut it. If you'd send that out, you're never going to work because we remember. Ah, oh, no. People yeah. who remember, that's not we good. Remember. They want to work in that business. So get your demo. When you're ready, when you're ready, when you're ready, get your demo professionally done. Demos are expensive, so make sure you're ready. If somebody wants to reach out to you to get you to be their coach, how do they go about it? They can reach me at Jody, J-O-D-I, at JodyGottliebVO.com. Spell Gottlieb. G-O-T-T-L-I-E-B, and then a V-O.com. Okay, very good. Is there any question that you would like to answer that I haven't asked? Probably a lot. I can't think of it because... You know, I, I can talk about this stuff forever. A lot of lot of people who want to get into it, they say, how much will it cost? And I can't answer that. I've worked with people who were demo ready two months into coaching. And others, I say, no, 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 for two years. Hmm. So I I can't answer that. You have to figure, let's see, demos run $2,500, $3,000 each, and you need a demo for each category that you want to explore. You want a home booth. You want good equipment. 
microphones. You probably know better than I how much those cost. Oh, yeah. Coaching, thousands of dollars for that. So it's quite an investment. What's the shortest time you've seen somebody book a job and the longest time? Yeah, the shortest time, probably a couple of weeks after signing with an agent. The longest time was never. That's a long time. A long time. Let me cross this off my list. Don't try to do voiceover. Don't. <laughs> this is, I, I thank you for being here. And my pleasure, I, Steve. I hope you have helped some people get to the yay or nay on this. Aspect. I hope so. I know we were talking a lot about, you know, the negative aspects of it, but I get such joy from what I do. And I love the people I work with. We have a good time. They also learn, and I learn from them. Once you book a job, chances are pretty good you're going to book another one. So I, I am optimistic about it, despite all the, the bad side that we've talked about. And like with anything else in showbiz, as we have often talked about, if anything can discourage you, from doing it, let it. Let it. You have to have a soul of steel. You really do. And you have to leave your ego outside the booth. You can't take anything personally. And you have to remember that every job is an audition for your next job. My thanks to Jody Gottlieb for lending her voice and expertise to Life Slices. If you'd like to try your hand or voice at voiceover work, remember, it takes dedication, commitment, lots of money, and grit. But go ahead, speak up. If you like this program, please like Life Slices on social media and subscribe wherever you find fine podcasts. Life Slices is produced by Beatnik Ravens Productions, all rights reserved. Music, courtesy of Fesleyan Studios. <laughs>